Patrick Pitts from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. This episode, the number nine player in my 50 most relevant, the brand new captain of the Big Big Sound, Stephen Canelio, to chat about him for a hat trick of episodes. I got Rids. Hello, buddy. Hey, mate. And just remember, there's no the G is silent. It is. Yes, it's a G free zone uh, for this podcast. That is for sure. Uh, let's talk about Cogs because he is uh, when he gets going. My oh my, this kid can football incredibly well, and from a fantasy perspective. He's pretty incredible. Still just the 26 years old, the midfielder from the Giants had some pretty incredible scores delivered for us last year. The best games he's ever had from a fantasy perspective came against fellow expansion club, the Gold Coast Suns. It was a, yeah, you're not hearing this wrong, by the way, 192 against the Gold Coast Suns in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, while it was a 207 in Supercoach. That's the ceiling you want, my friend. In terms of an average, just the 103 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Oh, there's a reason why it's that low. And just a 101 in Supercoach. From a price perspective, he's just a touch under $550,000 in Supercoach. Just a touch under 750 k in AFL Dream Team. While he's 769000 in AFL Fantasy is Stephen Canelio. And it was a pretty... Big yo-yo sort of season for him, really, wasn't it, Rids? It was locking himself away to really being a one-club player at the club. Multiple injuries. Of course, one of them ruled him out of that grand final side. And then when he did play from a fantasy perspective, he showed that he has a ceiling that is as good as anyone else in the game. Yeah, and don't forget that he also hurt his hand before that St. Kilda game as well last year. Yeah. So... So that 103 is, let's let's be honest now, that's that's probably 110 plus in any other year, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. And again, I, I'm not a big fan of taking out injury-impacted games for averages, but look, let's jump right into it. Is The fact is he had a game in round 17 against the Tigers where he pretty much was injured within the opening two to three minutes, hadn't had a touch of the footy. Um, the knee that was a little bit ginger got injured. So he's got this natural discount for us because of that. So in AFL Fantasy, he's priced at 104. But if you take that game, who's injury impacted and got a zero. Again, I hate normally doing it, but I feel justified in this one doing it, given it was such an early in-game injury. Um, he averaged 111 in AFL Fantasy without that game. In Supercoach, an average of 101. However, again, you remove that injury-affected zero. It's up towards a 108, and now all of a sudden, we've got a guy who's in the top five to ten of midfielders, really at a fraction of the price. And the big thing about that, okay, is I'm I'm with you. I hate doing it usually because an average is an average for the season. But the big difference for this guy is with the rolling lockouts in Dream Team and Supercoach and that ceiling, Mm. he becomes an absolute vice-captain, captain loophole option through the season. 100% he does. He's shown that over multiple years. From his 15 games last year in AFL Fantasy, he had nine scores over 100 or more, including four over 120. Now, you look again at that 120 and go, hang on, that where's the ceiling, MJ? Simple. 
This is what he did when he went over 120 in AFL Fantasy. 126? Yeah, okay, maybe not so great. Check this out. 146, 161, and 192. Not bad through that format. In Supercoach, he joined the elite company of being in the 200 club. He did that in round 11 against the Gold Coast Suns with a 207. Across the remainder of the year, he had eight additional tons, so nine for the year, and four of those were over 130. He has this ability to get hundreds for us. And it's not just a one-hit wonder. In 2018, he played 21 games and averaged 110 in AFL Fantasy, 15 tons, six of them were over 120. While in Supercoach, 108 was his average, which was made up of 12 tons. And half of those games, he went over 120. So really, 2018 is very much a reflective picture of what he did in 2019, minus that game against the Tigers where he copped a donut. And the other thing about that as well, okay, after all that, is in round two, he was tagged by Hutchins as well yep. when he played West Coast. Now, Josh Kelly didn't play that game. So so there's every chance you'd be, you'd be thinking that Hutchins might be very suited to an outside role of a Josh Kelly in that game yes. usually. Yep. So, so there are other factors as well. But let, let's, let's think through this a little bit. Sure. This guy would be a walk-up star if he could stay in the park. But oh, he's man. not. He's not on the park at all. So his history is absolutely awful. He's injury after injury after injury. Now, I know in 2016 and 2018, he played 21 games for the season. But the big problem is those 14, 15, 18, 7, seven <laughs> in 2017. I just don't know. It's risk versus reward, isn't it, really? It, it really so is. If, but I don't know how many times this guy can get injured in the warm-up. He hurts his oh. knee, he hurts his hand, he hurts this. I don't know. And now he's captain of the club. So, so I mean, I hope, I wish him the best of, of luck, you, though, you know. And I hope he doesn't have a bad run this year. The big, big thing is, but, I mean, how can you take him on with any confidence? Like... So, I mean, we've got the value on one side. We've got the ceiling on one side. The captaincy loophole options on one side. Yet, on the flip side, we've got that injury history, don't we? And that's what's really fascinating to me because he is the kind of guy that has shown historically he can go on big runs and put games together. Now, it's using the 2018 data, but for the sake of the conversation, this is what he did over the opening six games of the year in 2018. In AFL Fantasy, 146, 120, 111, 121, 112, 102. While in Supercoach, it was 129, 120, 124, 116, 116. 93. Um, and so he is the kind of guy, and then again, we talk about the 200 from earlier this year, the 190-odd in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. He's got the ability to put these runs of scores on, and he can take games away from you quickly. And on the flip, as we saw this year, and you bring it up a great point, he did his hand twice. Um, he got a corky during a game. He had multiple knee concerns, and then the, ultimately the one that saw him miss the finals. He's got Every, you could almost build confirmation bias around him no matter what, couldn't you? You could build a case to go, I have to have him. He's got incredible ceiling. He's unmatched in some parts. And there's the data to prove that. Or you could look at the other side and go, he's injury prone. His role can change in a game because of a little niggle. And I'm going to have to use a trade on him anyway, so I just won't bother. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And then, I mean, we've got all these other factors. Toronto's now become an absolute bull in that midfield. Mm. Ward is coming back from an injury. Josh Kelly, you know, is floating around. You've got Whitfield floating around the ground. Mm. I mean, how many of these guys are actually, like, are we looking at maybe one too many? You know, they've got that green coming through now. Yeah, they want to get Caldwell in as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um, the other guy, um, Hately's still there yep. as well. So how many of these guys does it take before it starts affecting the next guy? I've got a question for you. Yeah. Why? Why, why? Okay, and I know this is about Canelio today, but there's three guns, okay, for the midfield in the GWS. There's Taranto, there's Kelly, there's Canelio. Yes. Why are we having the hype over two of the guys that seem to have injuries all the time, yet the other guy who's, what, in his third or fourth Fourth year? Fourth year, Taranto. Yeah, well, am I missing something here, MJ? No, you're absolutely not missing anything. The the consensus of the fantasy community, as much as I've observed it, is it's little, you know, if anything, Kelly moves back a little more outside at times. Um, Green, again, this is not my opinion, this is the consensus opinion, um, that Green and Williams don't get as much midfield opportunity through there and that maybe Taranto loses a rotation or two while Ward, Cornelio, these guys get back and be the centrepiece. I I don't agree with that. I I very much see that Kelly, Cornelio and Taranto, that is who you build your midfield around. And you get Whitfield still rolling through there plenty. You still let Green, you still let Williams roll through there. You give your Caldwell and Hatley's chances through that. None of those big three are losing points as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, outside of the injury affected with Josh Kelly and Canelio, I don't see any reason why any of those three options aren't just absolute, you know, locks into your team. And... I mean, how how unique would it be to have all three? It'd be incredibly unique to have all three because what you've also got through that multi-buy round is arguably the most stacked line of premiums. Now, again, some of them more relevant than others, but you've got McRae, Bontempelli and Dunkley also on that. Tom Mitchell, the Crouch brothers um, also share that multi-buy round as well as those GWS boys. So... There's only so many of them that we can really have on the right side of the round 14 by. But gosh, I feel like I'm real tempted to build a lot of my midfield heavily off that round. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? When you think about it and you think about the McRae, Dunkley, Tom Mitchell, Kelly, Taranto, Canelio, you can actually almost take on the extra ones. So anyway, back to Cornelio for the time being. Sure. I think he absolutely represents value. Yes. He's an absolute vice-captain loophole Every option. Time. I think he's worth taking on, though, in Supercoach if you want to take him on. But I think in the other formats, you have to strongly consider him. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I totally agree. And AFL Fantasy, where you're always looking for a little bit of value in a lot of your early squad selections, because you are having that price change every single week because of that zero, you've got some natural value built in. Again, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, you're paying for a guy that's got really two years of data that says he's a 110 midfielder, but at a 104. You're getting that value. In Supercoach, 
it, it's not as big. He said, you know, 108, 110, guy, is that enough? Maybe, maybe not for you, especially if you are looking for some value options elsewhere. But he's the kind of guy that can get a 200 for you. Simple. 100%. 100%. And if you're just lucky enough to land that VC on that on that, on that, on that week it, and you start big, cool. like, and that's the big thing, isn't it? Starting big. Yeah. Like, by the time halfway year comes through, you're going to have to look at some choices that are slightly different to the norm. But what you'll find, Casey, if you start on a couple of guys that will start big early, then potentially what you'll find is that you'll get a little bit of a jump on them and everyone's trading those guys into their teams yeah. whilst you've already got them. So so that's why it's so important with a Canelio. If you believe, and we know for a fact, MJ, you're 100% correct, he goes on massive runs. And we're not talking he goes on runs of 100. Yeah, we're talking 120s. he goes on a 120 plus. Yeah. You know, if he starts the year with that captaincy under his belt, 120 plus for that first five to 10 rounds wow. without having a bit of luck with him. He needs sure. a bit of luck to get through. And we do in everything, don't we? 100%. But if he does, mate, your season is flying from the word go. Yeah, it certainly is. Look, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion, I've got no concerns of all the big bodies coming back into the GWS midfield, I have zero concerns that he is the one that's going to be impacted from scoring. And we've seen, even when he does spend some time deep forward, either to rest or for a matchup to break a tag, he's damaging inside forward 50 and has got some craft about him at stoppages there to be able to see multiple goals as a forward option too. So, look, for me, I don't think... I think people are going... Cornelio's the one that's going to drop in points for the GWS midfield because I've done, he's not the one. As far as I'm concerned, he's not the one. The question about him is, can he just get some luck with his body to get 20-plus games again like he did in 2018? And if he does, he's going that 110 for you this year. Could not agree more. Let's talk about where he goes in a draft because, again, everyone chooses to do their rankings differently. For me, I have him as a genuine you know, top 10 ranked um, sort of midfielder across certainly dream team and AFL fantasy and, you know, knocking on the door of it in Supercoach. So you could build a case that, you know, there's is worth a late first round pick in some of the formats, but I'm seeing him slide really late into the second in a lot of mock drafts at the moment that people are doing. And I'd be pretty happy to have him as, uh, you know, a, a late second round slash early third round selection. I'd feel like I'm winning the draft at that point. Well, I actually think he's going to slide a little bit later. Yeah. And I reckon he's he's a definite candidate for your M1 position. Yeah. But so if you can pick, if you're going to start going midfield, 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 midfielder, okay, in the first four rounds, mm. and you get Canelio in the fourth round, just <laughs> say, hypothetically, you've pretty much picked up an M1. you got four as, top 10 midfielders. <laughs> that's nuts, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Even in the third but, round to get that is nuts. Yeah, it, it is. It's absolute nuts. But I think that's where you're looking at around this year, third to fourth round. Yeah, wow. That that I would just be loving life. Whether or not you go you know, mid-heavy early on or you try to lock in the Gorns, the Whitfields, the Lloyds, and then early in those first handful of selections... And then, you know, on the turn in my second or third pick, I get a chance to get an M1 in Cornelio at pick 19, 18, or 22, or 23. 
Yeah, that that's a real strong, solid draft. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, man. I appreciate your thoughts today on COGS. Yeah, no worries. If you want to go and check out the article on him or any of the other players revealed in the 50 most relevant, you can go and do that right now at coachespanel.tv. If you're loving the podcast episodes, whether you're getting it through, well, really, whatever podcast platform you choose, we'd love you to make sure you follow and subscribe so as soon as the episodes are live, you get notified straight to your device. And if you are loving it, leave a five-star rating and review. It helps others find what you already know about the Coaches Panel. The number eight player in the 50 most relevant relevant, here's what I'll tell you, I'm telling you nothing.